Please fasten your seat belts. The skies are rough and our two pilots have no idea where they're going. So kick back, relax, and enjoy your flight on no blackout dates. No blackout dates. No blackout dates. No blackout dates. I hit mid-20s, got on my first strip club, and I was like, I could totally work here. Were you concerned at all about the stigma attached to the job? I think I definitely had to hit a point in my life where I just was like, I don't give a shit what other people think. Like, I'm gonna be me and do me. And that's honestly why I started making the most money, too, with, you know, being comfortable with yourself and outgoing. Like, being insecure brings less money. So if you can even take it to show that you are you know, not nervous or scared, then we're going to get a long way. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of No Blackout Dates. I'm Evan. And I'm Melanie. Today, we're exploring the world of strip clubs and OnlyFans, and we've got Stella joining us to talk it all out. Stella is a professional dancer and OnlyFans creator who works at several strip clubs around the country. She commutes from her home in New England to Florida, Chicago, and other places in the U.S., and she's here to have a very candid conversation about what it's really like to travel as a professional dancer, balancing work travel with home life, and giving you a peek behind the curtain of strip clubs and OnlyFans. But first, Melanie, our guest host today, filling in for Tim. Big shoes to fill, but fans of the show already know Melanie from guest hosting before. And if you're really a diehard, you might even remember her as our very first guest on the show way back in episode one. She's a professional actress, host, and content creator. Melanie, welcome back. Thank you so much, Evan. I'm so excited to be here. And the great thing is I've actually murdered Tim, so I'm going to be here all the time. Really motivated to get this job. I admired her motivation and her ambition <laughs> and had to give it to her. Thank you so much. I'm going to sneak a mic into jail since I've clearly just admitted to murder. So here we are. Yeah, but you know what? You told me. You said I would kill to get that guest hosting gig. I would. Thought you were full of shit. You're not. Here you oh, are. No, you know, you're walking the Let's walk. Let's do this. So. Sorry, not sorry, Tim. By the end of the interview, Melanie was so motivated to start her own OnlyFans that she did. And you can check her out on OnlyFans <laughs> now going forward. So keep an eye out for that. We'll put a link in the yeah. show notes. Link in the show um, notes. So if you like the sound of Melanie, check her out <laughs> on OnlyFans. Uh, first, we're going to get into hot takes. And I got a question for you first, Melanie. No. Mm, okay. Well, Good talk. Good interview, interview. everyone. Thanks for listening (laughs) to this episode of No Blackout Days. (laughs) Let's go, Evan. What's your hot take? All right. So my question for you, if you could travel the country from city to city doing a job, what would it be? If one job (laughs) could take you around the country, explore the, the world, the country, whatever, through the lens of this job, what would it be? Okay. My professional answer is I would be a photographer. And I would specifically shoot weddings. And what's your unprofessional then, answer? <laughs> my unprofessional answer is I want to basically be a Baskin-Robbins ice cream taste tester. And I want to be the person who names ice creams. So I want to travel around the country and the world trying ice creams, making ice creams, and basically being the queen of ice cream. That's what I want. You came up with that really quick. Yeah, I've thought about this numerous times. Like not just an ice cream tester, a Baskin-Robbins ice cream taste tester. Yeah, this show is not job. sponsored by Baskin-Robbins. No free ads. But... <laughs> That's that's actually a great answer. It Wouldn't would have taken me a so while to think of something. Okay, yeah, that would be super fun. in your brain, Evan. Think. Yeah, you be would, logical. You'd be so sick. <laughs> I would, but it would be so okay. Yeah. Do they? Is that a job? Like, have you looked that up? 
I heard it was a job, um, but I've never actually looked it up because I don't want to look it up and have it actually not be a job. But I so heard I'm it was a job. By heard it was a job, do you mean you saw it on like a cartoon on Nickelodeon when you were 13? <laughs> Maybe. Mind your business, Evan. Something. It was something like that where it, like, it was not – it wasn't like I saw a listing on Baskin-Robbins. Hashtag not sponsored by Baskin-Robbins. Um, it wasn't like I saw a listing for this somewhere, but someone once told me it was a job, and so I just believed them. I believe people blindly. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's a flaw. Okay, what would you do then? What would be your job to take you around? And also, I want a professional answer and a not professional answer. Let's go. I think this actually might be both, Ooh. I, if that's possible. Uh, I think I'd be in a circus. What would you do in the circus? There's so many things. I don't know. I've, I've, always, <laughs> I've always been like kind of fascinated by what it must be like to be in a traveling circus. Like, Imagine how wild that would be. You'd be hanging out with lion tamers, acrobats, clowns, those trapeze people, the bearded lady. Okay. Like most insane, most insane coworkers ever. You'd have stories to last a lifetime. And like who better to explore new cities with that go out to the bar with after work than like trapeze artists and acrobats. That'd be wild, right? All right. Okay. That's actually a fantastic answer. That being said, I know you can juggle, but you can only juggle three things at the same time. So I don't so, know if you're really Yeah, I don't know what I would do in the circus. I, I, I would be the guy that like passes out snacks, you know, the cotton, the cotton candy guy. <laughs> all right. I could be a cotton candy girl with you. We would, we would travel There's together. all kind of jobs, I think, in the circus. I see it as kind of a step up from carnies, like who work at traveling mm, carnivals and fairs, yeah. but just with... I like that. I would think a little more money more fun and less meth <laughs> no let's go more meth speaking of meth and carnivals next let's get to your question <laughs> good transition we love that okay so this has been something i've been thinking about lately mostly because i was just on a flight where there were three screaming small children around me on like an eight-hour plane ride it made me want to murder people wow when did i start thinking so much about murder? is it ethical to attach a parachute to a screaming baby and toss it out the window and find it later <laughs> is that your question oh my gosh that was not my question but i guess that does tell me how you feel about this so my hot take is that parents should travel with small children even if they won't remember it but based on your response just now you don't think that parents like you're not a fan of kids on planes. No, I mean, I'm just saying, like, there is no solution. There's obviously, like, my my response, my professional answer is there's no, uh-huh. is there's no solution, <laughs> no real solution. You can't like kick a parent or a, a family off a plane because their kid's crying. They can't do anything about it. I think the real mm. issue, my unprofessional answer, is to put a parachute on the baby and throw out the plane. But I think the real <laughs> issue, the real issue is, is the parent making an honest effort to calm the kid down so when i hear a kid like a baby crying on a plane yeah it's annoying but what's way more annoying is when the family the the mom the dad whoever is making no effort to like calm the kid down or if the kid's screaming or you know maybe it's not crying it's screaming or just like lashing out or kind of like throwing i had a kid like throw his pacifier in my face multiple times on a on a flight and the parent just Parent didn't do anything. To be fair, I've wanted to throw many things at your face. Right. But, you you know, you don't have a a parent or guardian monitoring you 24-7. You (laughs) probably should. But Honestly, you're not wrong. And it's just, 
if they're making an honest effort to like restrain the kid to like calm them down to like get them to stop crying or acting out and they're still doing it that's that's fine you know you're making an effort you're doing what parents should do if you're not then the parents should get a talking to i think from the flight attendant as much as that sucks for the flight attendant to have to do and it's probably not fair just make an effort just make an honest effort I think that's the case in most things in life. Like, if people are not trying, that's what makes me angry about anything. So, what do you think? Do you think parents should travel with small children, even if the children won't remember it? I think yes. I think of necessity, then, yeah. Like, if you can't find a babysitter, you don't can't afford one, or you, you have to travel, or you want to travel, you should not travel at all just because you have a kid. And I think if, you have to, if bringing the kid is the only way you can still do that and still experience the world then yeah bring your kid on a trip the issue i have i guess is when people say i can't wait to bring my six-month-old daughter on this trip to indonesia because it's such a great cultural experience for them i want to expose them to different languages and cultures and smells and like they don't remember it they just don't remember it they straight up it's not a cultural experience they have no idea what's going on you're wasting a lot of money. That's fair. So if you're gonna if if you're gonna bring them anyway because you kind of have to of necessity, great, go ahead, do it, all about it. If you're doing it because you think it's gonna make some kind of impact on them developmentally, it totally could. There might be science to prove me wrong, but I'm not buying it. Well, I think you know kids are resilient, they're adaptable, they're flexible. Like I think there is something to as a kid like not having a developed routine. I think that's something where. You know, like, how many people do you know in your real life who are so difficult? One of my closest friends, she won't eat basically anything. She's super picky. She is very rigid. She is not willing to be flexible about anything. And I wonder, had she traveled and had her parents forced her to go to a bunch of places when she was younger, if she would not be so picky and if she were, she would be a little different and more lenient i think younger yeah i think younger being like four or five six seven years old not younger Mm. being one year old like i just don't again i I would love a scientist is listening to this (laughs) a child behavioral researcher please come on the show and talk about why traveling with children who are infants is a a good developmental decision for them you know i'd be more than happy to hear it and open-minded in the meantime, Evan will be throwing children out of planes. <laughs> Strapped to a parachute. In the meantime. So someone please come and save us. In the meantime, we'll be listening to Stella talk about OnlyFans and strip clubs. We'll see you guys on the other side. Stella is a professional dancer and OnlyFans creator who's been kind enough to join us for a candid chat about her often mysterious industry. Stella, welcome to the show. Hey guys, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, of course. So you told me a a while ago that when you first told your mom that you wanted to strip, she said something to the effect of, I'm surprised it took you so long. How did you first become interested in doing this? Okay, so I had an interest back when I was younger for sure. Because, you know, when we're in school and they talk about like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I remember being in like the fourth grade and I was like, I'm going to be a stripper. And the kids were like, you're going to do what? Of course, you know, kind of. But as I got older, like, I just liked to dance. So it kind of like I was on dance teams, I did gymnastics, all that stuff. And I was a very like sexual person and really outgoing and not shy. Um, So as I got older, once I hit like 
early 20s, I got really curious. I just never really been in the environment. Once I hit mid 20s, I got on my first strip club and I was like, I could totally work here. And then from there, um, I asked one of the managers what it was I had to do to work there. And they said, be here tomorrow at six. I got so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> easy, easy interview process. Right? So what was it? Um, was Were you concerned at all about the stigma attached to the job before Absolutely. accepting? <clears throat> Absolutely. Especially because like as growing up, you know, anytime I talked about those things, I did see the reactions of other people who didn't understand. I think I definitely had to hit a point in my life where I just was like, I don't give a shit what other people think. Like, I'm going to be me and do me. And that's honestly why I started making the most money, too, is because you know, being comfortable with yourself and outgoing, like being insecure brings less money. So if you can even fake it to show that you are, you know, not nervous or scared, then you're going to get a long way and you're going to finally get more comfortable, you know, stepping outside your comfort zone. And I know you've traveled to a few cities around the country and you bounced back and forth between different clubs. Why not just work at one club in the city you live in? It's a lot about following events. So, you know, when there's Super Bowl going on or basketball games or stuff like that, it definitely helps. Um, big rap artists coming to the club, that's a huge one. It depends what kinds of crowd that you want to be in. Um, but when I started, I started in a club in the East Coast, and then I was like, I want to do more with this. I definitely do. So I took a trip to Florida, and while I was down there, I decided to check out a few of the clubs down there. And... Yeah, after that, I definitely wanted to travel more. And where exactly do you travel to for, for work? I know you go to Miami, Chicago. Is there any other cities around the country? I've been to Miami, but I honestly have yet to dance in Miami. Oh, okay. Um, I just started exploring clubs down there. Orlando is where really where I ended up. Orlando, right, um, okay. I, yes, I made a good home base there, mm. and then I traveled out to Chicago. I did do that, and that was awesome, too. Um, it's just everywhere that you go has a little bit different rules and laws and like some places require you to have a, some type of independent contractor's license or adult entertainment license versus up here in the East Coast. They really don't care about any of that. Is there like a, a lure or a, more of an excitement to traveling frequently for work that you wouldn't get if you were to work at a club 10 minutes down the road? Absolutely. I mean, who doesn't want to fly to Florida in the middle of the winter out here and go where it's hot and you make money? True. And you work in a party scene, so it's like, come on, it doesn't get much better than that. <laughs> How do and like when you go to these different places, do you notice there's a difference in the clientele, like in the guys that will spend money on you? You know, Absolutely. are people in in Florida different than people in uh, in Chicago versus New England? Absolutely. And again, it definitely does go by club, but um, place has a big role in it too. Um, you know, the younger crowd that are there party and show off and throw money and it's not really about the girl, it's about showing off to their friends. Um, versus maybe in Chicago, it's more typically a gentleman's club and they're older men and, you know, you might have less clients, but they have bigger pockets and they're typically sweeter, if you, you know what I mean? Older gentlemen, you'll say. What's something that maybe visitors do wrong when they attend a strip club that, you know, they don't really realize that they're doing wrong? Like any do's and don'ts that you'd want to share? Touching. 
touching is a huge one. Um, some clubs allow you to touch and some don't. Um, once people start drinking and getting intoxicated, those boundaries get crossed. And, you know, we're all just trying to have a good time. And then next thing you know, those rules are broken and there's big bouncers coming in and kicking people out. So that's definitely a big one that people cross. And one other one I would say is um, asking you to come home after the club. Oh, um, I'm, I'm not going to lie. A lot of us will tell you yes, whether we're going to go or not. But we tell you yes, because at the end of the day, it's going to bring us more money. It makes you happy if we say no. You might be like, oh, she's not going to come home with me anyways. So if you say yes, and you know you have security to back you up, to walk you out to your car and all that, you feel more safe. And you're more apt to tell them what they want to hear. I was going to ask, if you say yes, then you have to deal with, you know, that guy's lingering around. Or maybe right. there's four guys you told yes that night. They're all like, oh, wait, she said she's going home exactly. with me. And then they, you know, get into it or try to follow you out. And trust me, that does happen. <laughs> it definitely does. Are you, can you really, are you in these places for long enough where you can get familiar with the cities you're traveling to? Or are you yeah. strictly there for business and you're not really kind of going out and exploring? Um, I've done a couple explore trips. I mean, that's kind of what I call it the first time that I do go out there, especially if I know I'm going to check out some clubs. I just did an explore trip in West Palm and Miami, and I kind of figured out where, when I go back down there, where it is I want to work and what it is I have to do. So when I go back down, down there, I'm not wasting so much time. Will you hang out with other dancers? Like, is it easy to befriend each other, or is there a competitive aspect where you're you want to be making yeah. more money and getting more stage time and, or can you kind of like leave work behind and go out, go out with them after and hang out and have fun? Um, both, definitely both. And you got to keep in mind in a, in a strip club, it's not like a normal interview. So you have all types of people in there, all types of women. Everybody kind of has a different situation, different um, reasons why we're doing this. Um, so that definitely has a big role. So you kind of find people that, have the same motives in, as you. Um, a lot of like sharing, I'll tell you what I know, you tell me what you know, and a lot of girls are not about that. So I'd say about 50-50, you know, some girls are really nice and some girls just don't want to get involved or maybe have way too much drama going on. But I stick to the nice girls, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to touch on the, you said you do explore trips. If you're traveling just in general, like not yeah. for work, not doing a you know exploratory trip mm -hmm. for work, are you also checking out like, oh, I wonder if there's any clubs around here I could work at? You know, you're just on a trip with friends in, in the back burner of your mind at all times a little bit. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Especially if I've gone down there and, you know, like to have fun and I like it. And I'm like, ooh, you know, I wonder what, what it's like to work out here because that's the nice thing about dancing is can really go wherever the clubs are and they're just about everywhere which adds a cool layer to travel in general because then you could just be on a fun trip with friends and be like this place is awesome hey like i could actually like make this a part-time place i travel to multiple times a year and hang out yeah. and make money and so, yeah so that's like a yeah. another cool layer to just a general travel absolutely i feel like florida has definitely become my second home due to that piece it's a good place i can fly down there and work as well as fly my family down and do a family vacation, take a week off from work, enjoy time with them, send them back home and stay and continue to work. 
So yeah. And how do you balance traveling for work with your family life at home? I have one kid, one son, um, and family first always. No matter what, family and health come first. That's one thing I've definitely learned about this is, if, you know, working is great and making that money is great, but um, it wears on your health when you're out that late and, you know, not as many meals and you get into the groove of making all this money and you just kind of continue because you think about it like, well, if I can make this much in this amount of time, you know what I mean? Then I can take this much time off. And it, for me, you know, being a mom and stuff, it's like I can only really go about two weeks before I'm losing my mind and I need to see my kid. Um, so my trips have definitely become about anywhere from 10 days to 14 days. I work usually 12 days out of that 14-day trip, so I only take one day off including that travel day, you know what I mean? So really not much time at all, but when I come home, I can come home for two to three weeks and relax and spend time with my family and really get involved because I just made all the money I need to make for the whole month, you know what I mean? So I can take that time off. It's just learning, making sure you manage your money too. So you get more quality family time maybe than someone who works a 40-hour-a-week job in corporate who's constantly at home but constantly working gets home late doesn't have time you know you're away for a few weeks but then when you're home you're you can actually be present absolutely i quit all three of my jobs when i started dancing i made sure (laughs) i grad you know finished up and graduated and Mm -hmm. i was a student as well and i i quit everything and i was like i have more time with my kid and i'm making more money than i've ever made in my life so it only made sense to me because you can always go back to school but you can't dance forever. (laughs) As I listen to your story, Stella, I feel so empowered. And I think that's such a different sort of feeling than the general public would normally have us feeling about dancing. Do you find that stripping is really empowering? That makes me feel so good. Um, Yes. Absolutely. The only thing I will say is somebody told me when I first started doing this and I was a new girl, like, um, don't lose your innocence and be, always remain secure about yourself. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm, I'm fine. I'm living a life. I'm making money. This is great. I'm beautiful. People love me. And as the years went on, I started to understand what that person was telling me because now I found myself comparing myself to girls comparing myself to the plastic surgery, comparing myself to somebody who made more money than me, you know, why and what are they doing different than I'm not? And so keeping in mind um, that we're all beautiful and we're all different and love yourself. That's the main thing. Like that's very important. So I'm, yeah, that's one part of the job that can get difficult sometimes, you know, so we try to remind each other, you know, well, you don't need that. You look great. You know what I mean? Cause it's, it's like Instagram in real life. We're constantly comparing ourselves to each other and we just have to remind each other that, you know, you're beautiful. You don't need that and be encouraging. And uh, yeah. Well, it's funny. That kind of reminds me a few weekends ago, we were having a conversation with someone who without really meaning to was um, speaking about strippers as though they're all, underpaid, unhappy, exploited, <laughs> uh, generalizing, and basically with no personal experience yourself, implying that they're only in the profession because they have to be. 
Um, and you handled that conversation surprisingly well and didn't really engage. Uh, but what, what would you say to people with that mindset? It's just like life. Life is what you make of it. Life is how you look at things. So if, you, if you're going to have a negative outlook about it, it's going to be negative for you. When people first get in the club, we always say like, you know, in the beginning, we don't know if these new girls are going to last or not because it's, it's a hard cutthroat world in the club. People are not nice to you. There's a lot you're going to deal with and there's a lot of positive things, but not everybody can handle that. And um, as for the girls that, you know, I don't have a choice. Um, sometimes I do kind of feel for them because they are stuck in that situation of I feel like it might sort of be like an insecurity if you know what I mean um, or maybe lack of support at home or um, but you can get a dancing job just like you could get a regular job at Walmart or you know a gas station or so to say that you're, you don't have a choice is uh, it's hard for me to agree with that one I think people can also be really taken aback at first by women who aren't, you know, as comfortable as you are in their own skin and expressing their sexuality. Is it, is it difficult sometimes just being yourself in your everyday life, not on stage or on people who, you know, might judge you for your openness and what you do for work? Absolutely. Um, I've my, almost my whole life, I've pretty much had no filter. My mom used we to tell me that all the time. <laughs> um, and that can get me in a lot of trouble or make people uncomfortable sometimes. Um, but I also feel like, you know, education is a big piece. You know, right. sometimes people don't know they're doing something wrong unless somebody points it out to them that they are doing something wrong. Um, right. So to make fun of somebody who's doing something wrong, you know, maybe you should try to tell that person. But for me, like, I... Again, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. You either like me or you don't. And I migrate towards the people who like me. Do you think it takes a certain personality type to do what you do? Like, do you find that the other girls you work with kind of all have similar, like outgoing, very open, very comfortable in their own skin? Or is it really a wide range? Um, I think confidence definitely plays a, whole, a huge role. You know, sure. women who are comfortable in their bodies. Um, and then I, I've also traveling. I've seen a lot, like you said, I've seen a lot of different girls, like girls even that are dancing that I would have never thought would have been a dancer. Like I, one of the main girls I worked with in Florida, she wears like fishing shorts and shit kickers and a t-shirt and no makeup. And but when she comes to the club, she's the best dancer here. So it's amazing to see when you say like outside of their, you know, dancing life. And their actual dancing life is very interesting. Because you can almost take on like a new personality or yes. a new you persona. Can do whoever you want to be in the club. <laughs> that's kind of cool. And do you do that? Do you, do you become a different person depending on where you're going? Like in Florida, do you kind of? It's like a fun way to experiment with different onstage Absolutely. personas, or do you kind of do you have the same? Experiment. Experiment is to learn. If you see that what someone else is doing is working for them and it's making them more money, why not give it a shot? Try it yourself. It might not work for you, but if it does, that's a game. <laughs> you know, I, I think one of the things that I adore about you so much is that you've really paved your way into a different type of nine to five. Like I know so many people 
who have lived in the same city their whole lives and are miserable and who want to do all these things and and say oh no, you know I can't do it it's not possible oh that's great for those other people and I love that you're like I get to travel I have a family I get to do what I love I get to wear different hats like this is so fun you just gotta get out there you just gotta get out there and step outside your comfort zone that's the main piece sometimes people need a little bit of a push <laughs> I agree so I want to, speaking of getting outside your comfort zone, I want to get into OnlyFans a little bit. Um, Here we go, OnlyFans. Let's go, Stella. <laughs> it's a funny place. You get all types of things. I think the thing about OnlyFans that gets me the most is you don't always know who's on the other line that you're talking to. So when you're sending content, it's like the main thing you have to think about is I might know this person. Oh plot twist you know what i mean so that has a big judgment too on what you might want to send depending on what type of OnlyFans you have because OnlyFans is really for anything these days because people can track you down like figure most of the people that follow you are not people you know i'm sure but people can oh. if they're dead or I, I don't know actually i would say it's about half and half so I've used, oh, really? Okay. Yes, I've used a couple of their little platform things that my girlfriends have told me about to get my OnlyFans out there to, like, um, other states, even that I've never been to. So that following is more of people I don't know, but absolutely, I've given out my link to people I know or posted it on my Instagram, and people just go follow that link and then go from there. But, yes, they get to make a name, like a a screen name almost and be whoever they want and they have the choice to tell you they know or you know this is who I am or not so that can be a little bit like oh, I don't know if I want to send this video because I don't know if I know this person and then if I see them and they don't say anything that's mad awkward <laughs> but yeah. again we're here for the money we're here for the money <laughs> right we've done a whole episode on OnlyFans it's season two episode one for anyone who's interested Ooh, but I'm you interested. know Yes, Della. But that's still a platform that mystifies a lot of people, including myself, because I am a square. So how does OnlyFans compare to dancing as um, like as a money-making hustle, like being in person versus being online? Um, I think I personally started OnlyFans because I liked the idea of the fact that I could post something, answer all my messages, and it's like a request for money almost. And then I can go to work, and when I'm done working, making money, I can check my OnlyFans, and I made money while I'm making money. So that was <laughs> that was a big deal for me, and uh, making money while you sleep. That's the goal. We're going to take a short break from the interview for a word from our partners at Matador Network. Are you a travel writer, filmmaker, or an influencer who loves to travel the world for free? Check out creators.matadornetwork.com and explore one of our many press trips. Sign up for free. That's creators.matadornetwork.com. Happy travels. And now back to the interview. The crazy thing to me about OnlyFans is how, like, obviously you think of it in a sexual way, but there's so many people that just do niche, like, weird fetishy things that aren't sexual at all, like doing chores or cleaning their dishes. And people pay, like, people Wait, pay for that. what? There's things called OnlyFans TV. Have you heard of that? Yeah. The, the woman we interviewed from OnlyFans a few months what ago, she ha did a travel show on OnlyFans TV. 
Yep. So only like somebody who just likes to cook, they could create a cooking show on OnlyFans, and you know, like I've gone and watched because that's kind of how you learn. And some of these women just are cooking in their kitchen and showing you recipes and you know, beating eggs with their boobs, jiggling a little bit, even in a t-shirt. But people pay for that, and people love that. So again, it's there's so many different people in the crowd that you don't know which person you're pleasing not everybody just wants to see sexual things it's a great platform the chores thing is what really entices me like (laughs) i don't want to do that but if i'm technically getting paid to do my chores i might be more inclined my house might be nicer what here's a good one the chores is a good one but also food you know there's no (laughs) i personally am not a foot person but i have so many girlfriends that are like oh i could never do what you do But I'm thinking about creating an OnlyFans, so you should create an OnlyFans for your feet now. <laughs> All right, guys, I'm gone. I'm going to do that. And that's Bye. so easy. Like, you you could be totally anonymous. You don't have to have your face on it. You literally just film your feet. I don't know what people like, but... Every time you change your nail polish, every time you put a different shoe on that's open-toed, come on, put different colored nylons Stella, on. I'm shook. You have to do. I am absolutely shook. Well, so I I'm grew up a dancer and played soccer, so my feet are not cute. But, I mean, somebody might like that. People like, like, sweaty – people will pay to buy people's, like, sweaty gym clothes. I'm interested. Oh. <laughs> so come join the club. You sound like you'd be a perfect candidate. See, and I, and I can't participate in it. Like, no one wants to see, like, my feet, like, guys' oh. feet. Like, no, they do. They do. Okay, maybe I'd pull in, like, 63 cents a month. Like, I don't know. Like, the market is so different. <laughs> different genders Evan, it's funny that you say that because i was speaking to one of my guy friends yesterday um via instagram and he was talking to me about OnlyFans, and that's how he just just created one for himself and he's been making really good money on it and he, i was like well what kind of things do you post and he's like just regular things you know sometimes even me at the beach with no shirt on sometimes a little different in my pants you know but nothing crazy so i was that was really the first time I had been talking to a guy who was making a pretty good money on OnlyFans. So, Evan, go get your feet on there, hairy or not. <laughs> <laughs> I will not be tuning in, but I'm very <laughs> Melon, if you had an OnlyFans, what would you do? Like, what's your, do you have, like, a, any skill that people would watch you do? I have no skills besides sitting and watching TV for numerous hours. That's all I've got. Do an eating one. Like, there's channels where people sit and record themselves stuffing their face. And they're just eating, you know what I mean? And eat as much as you can and just kind of be like not ladylike about it. People love that. <laughs> See, I've, I've always heard yeah. about these videos, but I was like, nobody's oh, yeah. watching those. But clearly, now that I've learned about chores, I'm like, people will watch fun things. So if you never see me back on this podcast, you know what happened. Thank you so much, Stella. You're the best. That I love that. That would be me. No one, no one would want to watch me do that, but I would just eat pizza, a different pizza place every day i would just stuff my face with like a whole large pizza and that would be my that's my only fans that's it as someone who has seen evan eat a pizza i'm not interested in that either <laughs> see i'm telling you, this is what i'm saying no one wants to see it okay we'll put you out there and you'll get some fans evan we can make this happen yeah yeah we'll work on it so without giving away too much what's the typical type of content that you that you'll put out that people will pay for like what do people pay the most for in your experience uh given like the range of content definitely sexual stuff and fetishes is a big one um 
That simple like twerking videos in my bathing suit at the beach has made just as much money sometimes as, you know, the sexual stuff, but definitely I will say the booty and, you know, the masturbation videos and just really stuff along that line. Dancing. Dancing is a big one. What is the strangest request you've ever gotten, Stella? Oh, I've gotten some requests that I don't even answer. Ooh. Okay, I'm like, I'm not doing that. And I'm a businesswoman, but there's just, I have to put a line to certain things here. And uh, pooping. Pooping is a big one. Yeah, people, <laughs> uh, I don't know why, I don't understand, but the whole two girls, one cup thing, I don't know if you've heard about it, but that's a real thing. And there's a lot of people in my inbox that I have no idea who they are, and they're like, you know, can you make me a video of you pooping? I'm like, I can't even ask, like, just curiosity. Like, if I was to make this video, how would you do it without, like, you know, making a mess? And I'm just, no, I'm not into that at all. <laughs> so that is something I get asked a lot, but I, I'm... You get asked a lot about that? A lot. Like, probably for every 10, 20 people in my inbox, there's one of them. Okay. I respect that. We're not into king shaming here. People like what they like, but uh, okay. Okay. I'm not there yet, guys. Maybe in the future. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm. I, it's like one of those things where I'm like, it's a hell no. Right. But, I mean, for what price would yeah. it not no longer be a hell no? I'm like, actually, <laughs> like, if it's like one. $5 million, then, okay, well. <laughs> I mean, this is the video that you could be making. <laughs> well, it's like, give me this guy's email because I'll do it for a certain price. So funny. <laughs> Aside from that, like, like reeling that back a little bit, something you would actually do, like a more reasonable request. Um, underwear, underwear. I saw a lot of underwear, like used underwear, worn panties, um, nylons. Nylons a big one. They want you to wear the nylons for a while, like two days. And then send them. So not only do they have to pay for the nylons, they have to pay for them being dirty, and they have to pay me for doing it. Interesting. And and so like the allure of OnlyFans is really the personalization, right? Because otherwise, people can just watch watch porn, or they can go to a strip club and see girls in person. So the OnlyFans, you're paying money for something you could get, you know, for free. But the allure of it, is it the personalization? Is it the feeling like that this, the, the person, the creator is talking to you, is sending you something? Absolutely. Um, one of the main requests when you're sending videos, I feel like, is people want you to say their name. So whatever it is that they want you to call them, they're like, you know, when you make my video, make the video for me, can you make sure that you, you know, say hey mm -hmm. to who, whatever their name is, because they feel more personalized. They feel like it's to them. And the yeah, fact that's so that, interesting. You know, they sent it to you and you're immediately replying back. It's like, a, oh my gosh, you did that for me. You know what I mean? And do you have kind of, uh, I know there's OnlyFans TV with a lot of different opportunities there. And we talked to that other woman that is a, became a travel host. Do you have any aspirations or a career trajectory that you're looking into to continue working with OnlyFans in that capacity or to parlaying the stripping into something else uh, in a similar field or uh, just going to kind of stay the course and keep doing what you're doing? I definitely, you know, I'm always trying to do something bigger and less time, more money. That's the, the prerogative here. You are so entrepreneurial. I love it. And I'm truly feeling so inspired still. I'm like multiple streams of revenue, diversify. We're ready. 2023, let's go. Absolutely. Let's get it.
OnlyFans has a lot to offer. I think even since that I've started OnlyFans until now, um, they have come out with a lot more things. So I'm definitely interested into figuring out what else they have to offer on the app because I haven't even completely explored the entire app yet and I'm doing pretty well on it. So and um as for dancing, I'm trying to get to all the clubs that I are on my bucket list, I guess, per se. And um before I have to retire, my in my mind, what's retirement age? Because everybody's a little bit different. But. I definitely want to hit some of these top clubs on my list before I stop. <laughs> what gets a club on your bucket list? Is it how prestigious it is? How much expensive the covers are? Like, what's the? I uh, that plays a, like a role in all of it. So definitely the cover charge. Um, who goes into the clubs? You know, the main clubs where they hold a lot of artists, like you know, Money Bag Yo and Kodak Black and stuff like that. Like Booby Chop on the River is a huge one down south. So um, things like that, even if you know, and I'm not just trying to dance there a couple times and be done. Like, I really want to be involved before I stop. So that's why I've definitely been doing more explore trips because I've, in my mind, I've hit the max at the clubs that, you know, that I do work at. I've gotten to the top. I feel like I'm at the top. Um, like any other job, I want more. I want to be where the money's at. And um, the clubs have definitely a big role on how much money they bring in just as well as us, you know. Um, with the artists or how much following we have or so you know creating a base around your club is important too getting people in the clubs but i'm not done yet <laughs> well awesome conversation very inspiring you can now help melanie start her only fans and get her on the uh the multi-revenue circuit oh, <laughs> where can people find you uh online if you want to be found on only fans um and follow you subscribe to you and give you money <laughs> Oh, you guys can find me at Stella Pretty on OnlyFans, and yeah, Evan will attach the link below, I believe. And if I, you guys I will. Link will be in the in the show notes. <laughs> I'll be taking requests in my inbox. And thank you guys so much for having me today. It's really been a blast. Thanks for listening to No Blackout Dates. Make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us, of course, a five-star review. And if for some reason you want to follow what we're up to, I'm Flow underscore on Instagram, and he's TimWinger1. Also, a big shout-out and thanks to our producer, Alex Halke, executive producer, Katie Hetrick, our email marketing guru, Kelsey Wilking, the Matador social crew, and everyone else on the team who puts up with us on a daily basis. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you.